You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be joined by Chad Sylvester of Exodus Trail Cameras, or excuse me, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and they have been a very busy company in the last handful of years introducing a new lineup of arrows uh, they've introduced some new uh, you know some new cell cam a new cell camera to their lineup and we talk about all that today but what I like about this company is at the very beginning when I talked to, to Chad the very beginning all those years ago it was like 2014 15 16 something like that. The name of the company was Exodus Outdoor Gear, not Exodus Trail Cameras. And they've predominantly been a trail camera company for several years, up until last year when they introduced their their arrows. And so we talk about that, we talk about business growth in general, we talk about the marketplace, we talk about cell cams specifically, and we also have that conversation that's a really hot topic right now I wanted to hear Chad's opinion of what makes Fair Chase Fair Chase and if there's any type of crossover like is there a gray area with cell cams, live feeds and the Fair Chase method of hunting. So it's a very good uh, very good conversation. Love having Chad on. He's really knowledgeable about the hunting industry in general specifically. Uh, his little area that he that he lives in so uh, huge shout out to Chad for taking time out of his day to hop on uh, if you're looking for a saddle you guys got to go check out tethered tethered is one of the most popular and they're and they're popular for a reason not only do they have 
a badass lineup of saddle, saddle hunting accessories, climbing sticks, platforms, but they also have, just like Exodus you'll hear, a community around their products that supports you, the end user. Meaning, what that means is, you're gonna be able to become a better saddle hunter by buying their product, being part of their community, and just like consuming the content that they put out. So if you're looking for a badass saddle uh, and just wanting to learn to saddle hunt in general, go check out Tethered. Um, hunt Stand is one of those hunting apps that I feel every single hunter should have on their phones, especially if you're east of the Mississippi and you are a whitetail hunter. I'm telling you right now, the functionality that comes with this app, you download it for free, and then you can upgrade. Uh, you can upgrade to their, I guess they would call it a pro level or an elite level uh, membership. That is dirt cheap compared to all the other brands, you know, all the other uh, hunting, quote unquote, hunting apps that are currently on the market. With that, then uh, you get so much functionality again more than any uh, product on the on the market and then outside of that uh, they just have the the best fun you know they, they have the best functionality period and so what I'm gonna recommend is that you go to huntstand.com read up on all the functionality that this mobile hunting app offers and then I want you to check out their pro whitetail platform. That's a bit of an upgrade from that yet and see all of the really cool and interesting things that they're doing there. So uh, huntstand.com, go check it out. Last but not least, uh, Tacticam, right? If you're the kind of person who likes, likes to document your time in the outdoors, specifically hunting, whether that's turkey hunting, squirrel hunting, pheasant hunting, uh, I mean, I think they even got stuff for fishing, deer hunting you can put on your bow or gun. Uh, go check out Tacticam, document those memories. That way you can go show your kids, show your family members, and you'll have those those forever. The 6.0 version of the Tacticam has an LCD screen, image stabilization, and it comes in 4K recording capabilities. So uh, just a badass piece of equipment. Go check it out. And that's it. Uh, also check out 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. So we've done uh, the commercials. Let's get into today's podcast with my man, Chad Sylvester. Enjoy. Three, two, one. All right. Once again, we got my buddy Chad Sylvester from Exodus Outdoor Gear on the uh, uh, podcast today. Chad, what's up, dude? Not too much, man. Just getting a day rolling here. Um, actually, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on yeah, here at right. the office. and. You know, 23 is an exciting year for us with all the kind of the, the work we've done behind the scenes in, in 22. Um, but yeah, just hanging out on Thursday, trying to get some work done. Yeah, I feel you. Let me ask you a question. This is uh, we're just going to we're gonna, we're getting right into the chase here today. As Exodus has been growing, do you guys ever take time to, you know, celebrate the victories or are you guys just <laughs> do you like because for me, like I've grown this business but I don't feel like I've ever stopped and really just went woohoo or patted myself on the back because the, right. the, the longer I get into this, the more work that needs to be done. And it, it almost That's becomes right. like celebration is not part of it. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah, we have a similar thought to you, Dan, like yesterday's successes or failures don't mean anything to us. Right. Um, you know, it's like, what is, what challenges, what problems, 
what issues, what, what, uh, what goals do we have in front of us today? And that's what we're executing against. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think at times it's good to congratulate our guys and pat them on the back, tell them they're doing, they're doing a good job. But from a leadership perspective, 30,000 foot view, it's like, okay, what do we got to get done today? Yeah. It's really like, I look at it as like, it's really not important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. another thing that I've noticed is with, with a newer company and a new mindset, uh, when I say newer, you guys have been around for a while, but I'm comparing you to the rest of the industry. All right. And sure. so in, in retrospect, you guys are still somewhat young because you're younger and because you don't have to jump through all the hoops of being owned by uh, another company, it allows you to do a whole bunch of cool things. And one of them is with the products that you guys have been offering, you're also a bit of a media company as well, putting out a podcast and putting out, um, you know, other like content on YouTube and things like that. In your opinion, why is that necessary this day and age? Well, I think, um, you know, being a small company, I mean, we have, there's eight or nine guys here. So not being owned by a conglomerate or, um, you know, a private equity group, we're kind of capped on resources in a certain capacity, right? So from a media perspective, tying into our marketing strategy, there's just more return there for us to kind of handle that stuff um, uh, internally. But then I think on the bigger scope of things, building a community inside, you know, I don't want to call it the industry because I think the industry and the hunting community are probably two separate things, right? Um, But it's very important to us that we're building a community where we're making an impact for all hunters, not just people who are buying our products. And that's actually, when you look at our mission statement and the kind of the three verticals that we offer um, within Exodus, it's, you know, trail cameras, it's archery and, and then it's content. So we're trying to not only educate people, but help them have more success in the field and better experiences with that content. So it's, it's, it's a kind of all encompassing thing. Yes, it's part of our marketing marketing strategy, but we truly want to help people have better experiences by building um, a more rigid community because man, it's just like in, in today's day and age, it's very hard to have an opinion on the internet. And um, you know, I, I guess everybody does have an opinion, but it's hard to have the correct opinion without having, you know, uh, keyboard warriors or haters and yeah people just being criticized kind of top to bottom yeah so that's kind of our approach with the meat with the media stuff it's ultra important in this day and age yeah for sure all right next question so last year you guys introduced the arrows all right how has that been going for you uh this year and what kind of customer feedback have you been getting on those arrows so the launch uh when we when we launched the the 246 shaft the the exodus mmt um support was really overwhelming we actually got bombarded with orders the first few months um you know through the fall that's kind of tapered tapered out which we kind of expected i mean i think that most serious archers probably you know they have their stuff dialed in well before november right right um unless they have a a bigger bigger issue a bigger problem at hand um so the first year was pretty phenomenal feedback was uh you know i would say 95 percent positive maybe even a little higher than that um i think anytime you have actual humans touching and building the product there's always opportunity there for human error for us to build something wrong 
um, you know, we do our best to eliminate that, but there's been a, been a few cases where maybe, um, you know, we messed an order up or the, we got tolerances wrong or, or something like that. But over, overall people have been really impressed by them. Um, and we're excited. We're excited about that, about that vertical. Cause we have, uh, we have some other new things coming in, in 23 with inside that archery offering. Yeah. And it was cool. Like one of the very first times you guys were ever on the podcast, uh, or even when just speaking with you years ago when we first met, you know, why not Exodus trail cameras, you know, Exodus outdoor gear. And so now we get to, we're starting to see the reasoning behind that name and the additional SKUs outside of the trail camera uh, category being introduced into this. And it's really, uh, it's really cool watching you guys grow and, and getting, having your own footprint in this industry. Well, thank you, man. That's uh that that's humbling, humbling to hear. Yeah. And so, um, and so when you guys sit around, right. And, and you start talking and I ask this question a lot, almost in every episode that we do, when you guys sit around and you start talking about, Oh man, what markets do we want to compete in? Right. Cause now mm-hmm. you're not just competing in the trail camera market. You're competing in the aero market. And I'm sure there's mm-hmm. going to be other things that you guys are going to be competing in. When do you guys stick to what you're already doing and how do you know when to jump into a new category? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. I think, you know, the way that we tackle that may be different than um, what some other companies look at, but for us, we try to identify like what problems we have as consumers, because yes, we're in industry. Yes, we're business owners, but we're also using other products from other companies within the space. And if, and if at any point in time we get to a spot where we have a problem that we've kind of identified as as consumers or end users and we don't feel like there is a good solution um, for that for that issue or for that problem, I think that's when we go down that rabbit hole of exploring um, other product categories and other market opportunities. So I think it comes kind of from self-inflicted pain, number one. Yeah. And then two, you have to identify, you know, um, market acceptance. So is your idea of that solution to the problem going to be accepted uh, by the marketplace? And sometimes you already have that answer, um, you know, through like on the arrow side, you've seen uh, like vector custom arrows and all these other um, custom kind of build shops be accepted by the marketplace. Yeah. So, in cases like that, you already have your answer on, on market acceptance. And in other cases, you know, it could be something totally foreign or totally new um, where you kind of have to maybe dive into some analytics or dive into some uh, consumer behavior to, to really identify uh, the opportunity. Yeah. And so when we when we sit here, I, I want to elaborate on what you just said, and that was solve a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to be more clear on this because. Solving a problem, in my opinion, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I went to the uh, ATA show this year, and mm-hmm. you just notice that everybody now is trying to get some kind of hold on the saddle market, okay? And so right. they're not necessarily solving any type of problem. They're just introducing their own version of that product into the market to gain market share. So. Right. Is it always about solving a problem or is it at some point just about, hey, we can do this. Let's let's see if we can do it. I'm sure that there's uh, 
I mean, to your point, companies are doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they see a, a growing marketplace and I guess we could kind of spin that into trail cameras over the last four or five years, that has been an, an emerging marketplace. And you've seen all these companies kind of go overseas and white label cameras and start selling on Amazon and trying to build a business. Um, and not really to your point, solve any problems, but for us, like for us to dive into a different marketplace, we need to be able to understand what people are looking for. And from us, because we all hunt here and we're very passionate about that. Typically when we we're experiencing those problems firsthand before we get to a place where we're kind of identifying, um, the market opportunities. So I think it goes to your point both ways. I think there's a place to solve problems. Um, and then there's also companies that are looking at this as, you know, how can we, how can we grow our valuation of the company? How can we grow revenue by, um, kind of offering their own versions of, of, of products. And again, there's nothing wrong with that because I think once you, once you build a, uh, a culture within like the depth of your customer base, there are people that will buy X product from X brand, regardless if it's the same as right. the same product as Y brand. Right. Um, so there's, you know, it's, it's multifaceted, I think. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like everything's going good with the arrows. Um, you mentioned, you had, you know, you mentioned a little teaser there about, you know, new stuff coming out there. Are we going to be, uh, seeing an expansion uh, of SKUs available for your custom bill arrows in 2023? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Can you elaborate on that anymore? Um, well, yeah, I think so. Uh, we have a, a 204 shaft coming. Um, the kind of the timeline on that is, is April. We just, um, actually next week we have our production samples, our first production samples coming in of that shaft. Um, so that will be released in April and then later towards summer, there will be a third, there'll be a third offering there. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a little too early to, to, to mention anything on, on that front. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Let's get to this uh, new, new cell cam. All right. The, uh, the rival, right? Yes, sir. So you guys have the render already. Um, mm -hmm. And so let me ask you this. When you, when you already have, a render the the render out why are you introducing another cell cam and it you know there's a lot of differences there but why a different version of something that you already have so i think the biggest reason is to hit a different price point in the marketplace um you know through our content some of the we get a lot of feedback on our product offerings the way that they work and every there's so many people kind of bought into uh bought into exodus and bought into our mission they believe in our brand they believe in us as people uh but they can't quite afford to run you know a 300 dollars cell camera at volume and we're seeing consumer behavior kind of follow that trend of people wanting to run cell cameras in volume so we kind of looked at that and then we went back several years with what we did with kind of our first and second camera that we built um, being kind of a flagship model, uh, standard SD card camera retailing for over $200. And then the product offering that we came to market with, I think it was an 18 or 19, I can't quite remember, but the Exodus Trek, which was just a very simplified version of, um, or a variant of, of an SD card camera. 
So when we looked at that model, that met a certain demand in the marketplace. And we're starting to see consumer behavior follow that trend of guys wanting to buy uh, less expensive cameras, less expensive cell cameras to run them at volume. Um, we know we knew like we knew we needed to kind of fill that void in our in our product offering because we didn't have it. Yeah. And so I look at something like what you've just said, and I've noticed that we're starting to, you know, like when cell cams first came out, right, they were number one, they were expensive. And number two, the technology behind them was also expensive in order, you know, in order to get a, a picture to send to your phone, it was more expensive then than it was now. So all the, all this technology is becoming cheaper to not only manufacture, but to purchase. So correct. What, what I, what I see now and correct me if I'm wrong is because we are starting to that, that price is coming down on that technology. It means that companies are able to offer a, a, a cheaper or more affordable cell cam that does almost this almost the same thing as let's just compare a $150 trail cam uh, cell cam to a 300 or you know more so people are starting to see that and then it it becomes a no-brainer obviously so are you starting to see that gap shrink between the I guess you want to say the $300 trail camera versus the 100 to $150 trail camera yeah, that's you're hundred you're hundred percent correct. Um, I, there's a lot that goes into, you know, the cell camera side is so much more complicated uh, than a than a standard SD card camera. Yes, you have the physical product side, which in in this space, the entire industry is really the, the trail camera marketplace is relatively small compared to other marketplaces globally, right? Yeah. So all the technology and, and things, hardware that is that are used on the physical product side is, is all overflow from other industries. There's no one out there specifically developing chipsets or cellular modules um, for a trail camera. It just doesn't happen. Um, so I think the overflow from other, other spaces, that technology is being used more. It's becoming more cost-effective. And then also with you know, M to M communication, the IOT solutions are also becoming more affordable to your point where what's, what's IOT and uh, just internet of things. Okay. So when you talk about connected devices and M to M is like machine to machine. Gotcha. So when you have machine to machine communication, the, the back end solutions there are coming much more wide scale and because they're becoming uh, more wide scale, you have more competitors in that place. And ultimately uh, competition in the marketplace is one of the things that brings uh, pricing down. So as the pricing structure starts to decrease on the IOT side, on the connectivity side of the back end, that's where you're seeing, um, you know, the cell camera marketplace start to be more competitive, um, you know, with those, $150 $150 cameras versus, you know, the 300 plus dollar cell cameras. Yeah. Another thing that I've noticed, and I'm going to, I want to get your opinion on this is yeah. why. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to say some of your competitors. Um, uh, let's see Moultrie. All right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just one more, one more example would be the, uh, uh, Man, they have the action cams too. I don't know why I'm blanking on this. Um, Tacticam. Tacticam, yeah. Uh, Tacticam. All right, so there's 
two cameras, and I'm sure there's others, that also have a supporting app, just like you guys have Scout Tech, right? Mm -hmm. And so now what I'm seeing is I'm starting to see these um, uh, these apps that come along with it be the point of interest to where the cell camera is just doing its job of sending pictures, but now the app has all of this mapping, uh, um, you know, being able to categorize, being able to have AI identify whether it's a buck or a doe or a hog or an elk or whatever it is. And, and so there's, it, there's just way more functionality than just cell cams being sent to an app. Right. What do, what do you think of that? And then do you guys see your, uh, yourself expanding on that in the future? Yeah, I think uh, to your point, you know, the physical product is one thing. And the idea behind buying a reliable cell, cell camera is just setting the thing up in the field with proper power and letting it do its job. And the real product offering, the real value is within the app. I mean, harnessing and being able to have that data and control uh, remote management kind of at your fingertips, that is the product. That is the actual experience that the consumer or end user um, ultimately is is having. In my opinion, the app is a bigger deal than the physical product. Yeah, because you're using the app daily. Um, whether you're you know managing cameras, swiping through photos, or whatever the case is, you're interacting with that app a hundred times more than you are the physical product. Right. All right. So, to your point, um, you know there are apps out there that are that are there's some really 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 good apps and you mentioned Moultrie in my opinion Moultrie is probably doing the best job on um like I'll call it back end data analysis and presenting that or giving that uh information to the end user yeah I I would say Moultrie is light years ahead of of everyone else at this point um but that is something we've already identified and uh plan to pull the trigger on a that type of project here very, very, very shortly. Gotcha. Okay. So is the Trek still available? That's your, that was your, your more affordable camera. Is it, are you going to be making any more of those? Did discontinued discontinued. Okay. All right. And so why did you guys decide to discontinue this trail camera? Well, I think uh, we discontinued both of our SD card cameras um, last year. Uh, so the Lift is also gone? The Lift 1, or the Lift 2 is also gone, yes. Okay. Both those right. cameras are, are now discontinued. Um, after we sold through our inventory uh, in 2022, we have already had these 23 releases in the works. Like, you know, So when we go yeah. into product development, from a certain standpoint, um, we only want to be able to carry maybe four or five SKUs at the most on the on the camera side at the most typically it's it's three or four um and for us that the product needs to serve a purpose or fill a void in our offerings for us to carry it so we're never gonna offer redundant products i think that in at times we've seen i guess this is my opinion from the outside looking in we've seen companies um out just say Hawk, for example, in the early years when they were independent, you've seen them drastically grow their SKU line um, 
and then all of a sudden they get into a financial bad spot and then they they sell out to a um uh you know a conglomerate yeah so we never want to get our never want to get to a place like that so from from one standpoint i guess you could say it's a uh, a financial balancing act of where we're putting our, our resources and what inventory we're carrying. But also at the same point in time, um, it was time for kind of a facelift on, on, on some of, uh, some of our cameras. So we've gone back and reinvested in a couple different pieces of tooling. So a lot of the offerings moving forward from 2023 and beyond are, are going to have a different look. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you develop, on the on the camera side when you start developing these products three or four years is a pretty long lifespan uh for digital digital product without kind of revamping it i mean when you start to spec out different chipsets and different pieces of hardware like they may not always be available and we yeah. ran into some of that stuff with uh and the supply chain stuff with covid which has you know long passed now things have really become stabilized but um all of those kind of things kind of play a factor into discontinuing that product Gotcha. And so right now you guys are only offering two cell cameras, right? That's correct. Okay. So do you, do you see the market shifting to all, you know, all trail cameras having the ability, like as the price comes down, uh, all cell cams having the ability to be cellular and you know, be done with just the strictly SD card model? I, well, I think the, the majority of the marketplace, they want to be in cell cameras yeah. um, because they're, because of the obvious benefits. Uh, the standard SD card cameras, in my opinion, will never go away. There's guys that hunt, you know, state forests, national forests, they're in hill country. They're in places where you don't have cell service and cell cameras aren't going to work. Right. Um, so the most expensive part about building a cell camera is the cellular module. And for someone to go out and buy a cell camera and not use that function or feature, you're kind of, you're kind of overpaying for something that, you know, isn't providing any benefit to you. Gotcha. All right. So let, let's just get into the comparison now. What is, we're going to, we're going to start with what is the same. All right. And then we'll get into what is different. Right. And so just keep in mind to the listener that I'm, I'm on your website now and it looks like you can pick a render up for that's your older model for 274, 274.99. And the new rival is one hundred and seventy nine dollars. So there's a roughly one hundred dollars difference in, in uh, trail camera there. So let's mm-hmm. let's start off with what is the same. What are you going to continue to get uh, with the new one versus the old one? Well, the warranty is the same. Uh, the warranty and the service policies will never change with what we do on the on the trail camera side. Um, so, you know, the five year warranty is still applicable for for the for the rival. Um, it's operated the same on the back end through through Scout Tech. So, the mobile app is the same. The data plans are the same. That's one question we've gotten a lot over the last week since we've kind of launched this product. Is that you know we offer these we offer shared plans and there was some confusion on whether people could run multiple different SKUs on the same app and on the same data plan, because I guess, I don't know, some other companies do it a little bit different where you have to have different plans or different, uh, different app for, for kind of each model of camera. So that stuff is the same. Um, what is different? There is 
there's a lot different. Um, you know, some of the specifications are similar, right? So you still have, I guess we'll continue with what is the same. The overall function of the camera is the same. You still have the ability to, you know, re uh, control the camera remotely. You still have the ability to, um, all the live action calls. So the on-demand feature that that's kind of our term for like the live stuff. I know a lot of people use the word live, but there's always some kind of latency or uh, delay or buffering period there. So we don't use the term live, but the on-demand feature is still applicable in this camera where you can change settings in just a second or two, uh, update the firmware, you know, over the air, um, do all of that stuff. Trigger speed, detection, all of that stuff is really similar to what we have in the render. Um, but when we look at the render, when we identified we wanted to bring a camera, a cell camera to market to compete with like these $150 cameras, um, we looked at it like from a cellular standpoint, we, you know, we, ha we have to be able to meet all of those things that we hit with the, with the render. So all the OTA stuff, um, you know, the live stuff, we had to have all that. But what absolutely was not necessary to cut out of this product to get our manufacturing costs down. Because regardless of what people say, when you're looking, if you look at a price point, you know, we've been in business for eight years. We know what margins we need to carry to have a healthy business. Um, you know, to lower our price point, we had to lower our manufacturing costs. So when we looked at that, we stripped out anything that was not needed. We took out the LCD screen because it's not needed for this device to connect to the network. It's a, uh, it's a it's a nice feature to have, but it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, the keypads aren't necessary, so we looked at those things, eliminated those, so that lowers the hardware cost a little bit. It cuts out some redundant circuitry and PCB boards. Um, and so all of that then, is then, like the settings, then for the most part, are done through the app. A hundred percent. Okay. So this camera, this camera is very very simplified stripped down it has a single on off switch on on like the onboard controls you have a single on off switch and then you have uh a few like led status indicators you have one for battery life one for um one for connectivity and then one for signal and depending on what those lights are doing it's telling you what the camera is doing essentially gotcha okay all right so then um on, on this new one, and you, you mentioned it briefly, uh, but I want to know why. I look at your guys' uh, previous lineup, you know, the Render, the Lift, the Exodus. It had a signature look that was only, like, I could look at that camera and say, that is an Exodus. There's no other cameras that look like that. All right. Right. And now we are moving over to this rival, completely different look to it. Um, mm -hmm. why? Well, one of the, one of the things, um, we looked at again to get it, to get our, uh, price point down was, you know, when you invest in like that first housing design I had seven pieces of tooling, which is probably a little bit overkill. So we looked at kind of, uh, an all encompassing perspective of how to lower our development cost, because again, regardless of what companies t are telling you, if you spend $200,000 in development, on a product you have that is baked into the retail price like you you have to be able to recoup that money to do the next project right um so if we could lower our development costs essentially we could help lower that 
that MSRP and, and target that $150 uh, price point. So when we looked at the tooling design, um, we knew if we could change and go to more of a traditional housing where we're using three pieces of tooling instead of seven, um, we'd be able to save some money on the manufacturing side and the development side. So we went back and again, we a couple of the other cameras we're releasing have a similar look, but a different housing, there's different tooling involved. But on, on the rival itself, on the back side and some of the internal, um, the one internal mold was an open source mold. Yeah. So there's other companies using that mold. And what we essentially did was just invest in that uh, one piece of tooling to change the overall look of the actual camera. Gotcha. Um, it's still rated, uh, you know, an IP66 um, dust and, and, and water uh, resistant rating. So it's still weatherproof. It's, it still has all that functionality to it. Gotcha. Cool. I, I will say this. It does look cool. The, it, it does look cool on the outside. It's got some texture to it. And, and so uh, it, it is, it, it's cool. And I'll be honest. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this. Is the render uh -huh. at some point going to fade away then that old body style? That old body style will eventually fade away. Okay. Correct. All right. So I will say this, the lift <laughs> that, that camo pattern, that, that lighter, wider camo pattern stuck mm -hmm. out like a sore thumb in the woods. And so yep. when I would, you know, when you would go looking for a trail camera, like it was noticeable. And so I, I felt that sometimes uh, whenever I had a trail camera stolen, that that might've had something to do with it. Now with the, the newer, the same pattern, but the darker imagery that you have for the mm -hmm. render, I, I hadn't had that as much. But I'm really excited about this rival because it's a solid color that matches trees really well. And I feel like, right. it, like it's going to go unnoticed to people, to people, not necessarily deer, right. but people. Right. Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I think, again, with the water transfer patterns, you have, uh, I mean, you can put UV protectant or UV coatings on them. But eventually, when you're running these things outside yeah. they are going to end up fading and yeah. that was one of the one of the things that we've ran into over whatever the last eight years is um you know that water transfer pattern not holding up to um uv exposure weather exposure yeah and also again like that's an extra dollar or dollar fifty on the manufacturing side we just basically said like you know if we can get to an earth tone color um, build in some texture into that front mold and that housing where it has some type of dimensional breakup. Um, in reality, that's better than having a water transfer pattern on, on the camera. Um, yeah. and that was feedback from, uh, consumers. You've seen some other companies to it too. Stealth cam does a really good job, um, of, of kind of the same tackling that issue in the, in the same manner. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, that's awesome. Right. Right. New, new product, new price point. I think, uh, you know, obviously the people who like you guys have a loyal, a loyal following and it's because you guys continue to be industry leaders and do some really cool things and have, the, like you said, have built a community. And when you build a community, people are going to uh, stick by you and be loyal. So uh, kudos to you guys on that. Now, 
the next the next topic here is something that is a like there's a lot of buzzwords right now you go to the ata show and uh, we have the these live feeds the ability (laughs) to basically security camera your property through live feeds is exodus heading in that direction well we've already it depends on what people mean by live feeds right um we try to stay away from like the marketing buzzwords that that draw people draw people in yeah um we've had live ability for multiple years so it, you know i know a lot of people are using the word stream yeah right um in certain cases you know there's latency there's there's a buffer period there you're technically not live streaming from that device but uh, again like that's not it's just not the way that we we present our our marketing material yeah we've had that ability for yeah i'm talking about i could pull my phone up right now and i could facetime you right we could have a conversation i mean we're doing it right now uh on the on the computer but we can do it from our phones there's apps available that you can hit a button and it's going to facetime basically whatever it is out there so yes there may be a a delay but it's it's minuscule compared to right uh, you know having a a triggered picture sent to your app okay right are you guys yeah. going in that direction or have i mean yeah we already have we already have that okay all right cool and and that's in video format or just pictures either one either one okay all right yep. so now yep. here we here we go uh the, and the, that's this is the transition into this I, I want to hear your thoughts on this as a owner of a company that makes cell cams. Where yep. does the term fair chase and, you know, I mean, you guys have heard it. Um, oh, yeah. It, you know, so yep. I want you to explain to me your opinion on if this type of technology crosses over the fair chase line at all. Right. Well, I can say this is um, it certainly is a buzz topic right now. Yeah. And. It is a very complicated, very intricate discussion, and yeah. there is no, there is no black and white on this at at all. Right. And I think I want people to know just because I own a trail camera company and we produce cellular trail cameras, that's a giant part of our business. I am not so um, close-minded to think that I'm not open to hearing, you know other point of views on this because it's not just about, again, it's not just about selling products and and making money. It is about building a a community in the right way because I have young kids and I want my kids to, you know, I I don't want them to be uh, necessarily dependent on technology. And I think that's where this conversation is probably going. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think number one, um, the fair chase thing is, it's not really defined, right? Like what, yeah. what is, what is fair chase? And I think that's different in everybody's eyes. If you go to, to, uh, you know, BNC or Pope and young, they have, I mean, they have, um, very kind of probably the best clear cut points, action points on what fair chase actually is. Yeah. But I think we get in discussion about cell cameras and live feeds. People are considering that, um, like an unfair advantage. And to me, like, it's a product, it's a tool. It is up to the end user to determine what is fair chase, what is, you know, morally correct, what can they live with, what, what can't they live with. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a tool. 
thing. And I know that the discussion wants to go to technology and they want to kind of target the tool. But in my opinion, it's, it, it's in the hunter's hands. It's in the end user's hands. Yeah. Because if you get down the technology road and hear me out on this, Dan, and I'm, I don't want to call anybody, I'm like, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just kind of explaining my opinion and my thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, when you start talking about technology, giving hunters an unfair advantage, what is like, you start talking about black powder seasons and muzzle litter seasons, right? Right. Where those legislation that the, the, the regulations were written years and years ago. And now you have guys going out buying gun work, muzzle loaders and shooting up. They have a 500 yard black powder gun. Like, yeah. was that, you know, was that regulation written for folks to be able to use that? Um, that type of weapon in that type of season. And then you look at long range rifles and the speed of crossbows and you have all these things um, that, you know, technology has given us an edge uh, kind of in the, in the whitetail woods. So I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's complicated, man. And yeah. it's, it's super muddy. Yeah. I, I agree 100% with what you just said, especially fair chase um because ohio is a baiting state right correct correct their neighbors you know one you know might the neighboring state might not be so fair chase it isn't the same everywhere right so we have not only from an ethics standpoint but from a rules and regulations standpoint as well and so you know i think there's there are some states that have put some kind of restrictions. I got, I just had this conversation with someone yesterday on like how you can use cell cams, but Mm -hmm. there's no regulation on how far you can shoot a deer during a gun season. You know what I mean? And so here that, like you said, that's where it gets muddy and uh, it's going to be, I feel like as you know, over the next 10 years, and this is just my opinion, I think we're going to see a lot more focus on rules and regulations and technology. I, whether that's a, a positive thing or whether that's a negative thing, I just feel like the people who make our rules and regulations are going, going to start taking into consideration this new technology. Because ultimately, right. I feel like, just like, People are, people are going to become more efficient, not necessarily with cell, oh, absolutely. you know, not necessarily with cell cams, but just any type of technology that goes into a hunt period. And so right. that affects harvest data. And so I, I just feel like there's going to be more focus by the people, by the, the state, you know, the, the states that are going to focus on this. And so maybe I'm going to be wrong. Maybe I'll be right. I don't know, but I just have a gut feeling we're going to see more rules and regs adapt to yeah. the, this type of technology. And I, I would agree with you. And I, and I hope that is the case um, because I think from uh, a hunter standpoint, like a, a guy that goes to multiple different States or tries to go to multiple different States in a year, everyone has different rules and regulations, as you said. And a lot of times, you know, it's illegal to kind of locate uh, or use like two-way communication. Like, so their states like where you can't use two-way radios on, on a deer drive, yeah. right? Because you're, you're, you're transmitting information electronically about the where to, uh, on the whereabouts of game, but yet you could have two guys. And I know this happens. I've done it. 
and it, this is like, and it's illegal in some states, but you could be sitting on the same farm, uh, maybe, you know, you and a buddy are hunting it during the rut, and one guy sees a buck come through, and it's like headed towards the other guy, and immediately the guy's on his phone texting. Yeah. Like, there's it's no difference. It's the same. It, yeah. Exactly. There is no difference. So, I think the, uh, again, it's a very complicated, intricate discussion, but I think some state intervention on making some of these regulations less gray is it's needed and i think it's going to be beneficial uh, for everyone kind of moving forward absolutely absolutely well hey chad man i I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh, school us to the new happenings over there at exodus man um exodusoutdoorgear.com go check out their cameras uh, go check out some of the content that they're putting out on uh, YouTube and, and their podcast. Anything else that we need to know about Exodus before I cut you loose? No, I, I, anything that anybody needs to know, they could find us. Uh, just find us on the internet, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Perfect, man. Uh, Chad, man, appreciate your time. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.